I can hear you. Can you hear me? Uh, yes. Yes. Road, I, road I, podcaster. <laughs> Select road podcaster. Oh. oh, God. What? Yeah. So that was weird. So I, I yep. we, we started, uh, we, we started early. We got, we got a special, it's a very special well, episode. Interesting. We started early and now we're two minutes late. Now we're late. We, we, we we're it's ready. Us. It's, it's not us. It's not us. It's Skype minutes late today. Okay. Uh, we've, it's a very special episode. We we're we're going to be joined by a couple of guests, uh, in a, in a little bit. But but we're going to record first, and it's going to be it's like a it's like a two parter. We're going to build it up. We're we're teasing. We're teasing the second hour do, of the show. Do we do we know if one of our special guests even has a Skype account? I'd stop looking at Facebook Messenger. I, I mean, I'm not I, I'm not a hundred percent sure. I I do know that um, when I turned on my Skype. Um, one of our guests had added the other guest to a Skype conversation from from the past. So, huh. so I'm I'm assuming that we're what, what's going to happen is we're going to talk for a little bit, then we're going to hang up, and then I'm going to recall that other ch- group chat, and and everybody will be on Skype, and and it's going to work. And one someone we're talking to both Harold and Barnum today. Uh, oh, and <laughs> oh, and and we're going to be talking. Um, this is I, I I cannot wait to see how the conversation uh, includes both uh, Eminem, otherwise known as Marshall Mathers, and uh, Joel Gray um, from Cabaret. So I'm <laughs> I'm really ex- I, this is uh, boy, this is really exciting. We got it. We got them all. We got all the guests, all the best guests today. <laughs> uh, so. So before we get into into those things, we we've got. I mean, there's lots of stuff to talk about. But I have to tell you about um, things that are happening in my life. My, <laughs> my foot hurts. Does it involve getting your kids off to school? No, no, not yet. They don't have to get up for another forty minutes. <laughs> so, so I assume yeah. I assume your wife is on uh, get the kids to school duty. I mean, well, I hope so. I don't know. I don't know what's happening. <laughs> uh, let's. Yeah, I, I think one of them will will be uh, will be up. The other one, the other one doesn't get up until like noon. Um, although we try to get him up so he can do his work alongside the one that actually has to be online. Um, but I, uh, I hurt my foot. Um, oh, no. yeah, yeah. So, so, you, uh, you, so Don, the, for the listeners that we've never really talked about this, but I, Don and I share our, um, our Apple workouts with each other. Our, I don't know what that we, we connect, we share, we share the thing in the app, Apple watch and the Apple watch. And, and so we can see when each other's doing stuff. And Don is my biggest cheerleader. He, if I go for a run, <laughs> he always uses the the message to send me back like, "Yeah, you're my favorite runner," or or things like that. And so for the last week, I haven't run because um, I I hurt my foot like in a way that I think it's either I you know because Doctor Google right. Um, I, I have I, I checked out WebMD and I've either uh, broken the fifth metatarsal on my left foot or. I have uh, there, there's like a, uh, some sort of a, a tendon that that goes underneath your heel that goes to the the fifth metatarsal that I may have either uh, torn or popped or something. Anyway, I basically can't walk very well right now. Oh my gosh! Yeah, yeah. And, and you did, and you did you do this from running? No, well maybe. I mean, so so what I what I read from the internet, um, which is where everybody should go to be, become a medical professional, uh, if, if, especially right now. Um, I, uh, I, I found that, that either over, over use from like not resting in between, um, workouts, mm. which is, I have, I like run and do stuff on my feet every day. Um, or, 
uh, there, there was a point um, where I was working out at home doing some uh, some online watching of videos uh, to to do like a like a class like a asynchronous class and I um, kind of like rolled my foot a little bit and and it didn't hurt all that much uh, but then since then it's gotten really bad and then twice on Saturday and then yesterday I stepped on something because I'm extremely clumsy with my injured mm. foot that made it way way worse so so I'm like I'm, I'm like hobbling around which is making my my family um, they have no um, no sympathy for me um, whatsoever because that's what what are what are families for um, the best story that's come out after after this is that Jack, my eldest, uh, told Danny not not within my earshot, but but as I was like hobbling around, that when he he used to think that I was really like strong and powerful and athletic, um, because I I fell like on on my bike one time and like scraped my knee up and it was like it was really like gruesome. And he was like three years old and he said, oh man, I just thought that was like, and you know, dad rode home because he had this mat, you know, we were out like on a trail and I had slipped on some gravel and it's like, I just can't believe it. It was blood was dripping down his leg. Um, and then he said to Danny, he's like, I thought, think back about that time. And I thought he was so like strong and brave. And now I just think he's a grown man who fell off his bike, (laughs) 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 which was great. Um, so, so yeah, yeah, kids are awesome. Um, so anyway, I'm like, I'm, I'm experiencing like one, one good thing for me is that, uh, this is all happening when I am not, uh, putting my skates on twice or six times a week. So, so my foot is, will hopefully have time to heal, but it's been, it's like the last couple of days have just been like excruciating. Like you're just going up and down the stairs. It's stupid. And now, yeah, yeah. So, so anyway, I'm like, I'm, I'm like icing and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, and, and I, I don't like, this is, I wanted to talk about this cause it's a little bit like, um, COVID-19 because in, in a normal situation, I would just go to urgent care or I would go to the doctor to look at my foot. And right now I'm like, ah, I'm good. Like I'll just, if it, if it's not any better in a few days, then maybe I'll go. But right now I'm okay. I'm, I'm going to be like, all right. Um, hopefully. Um, so, and, and I, you know, I kind of read about this a little bit cause of course, um, that's where I should get all my information, but it's like, well, at this point, if it is this like fifth metatarsal break, there's not a whole lot they can do other than don't move your foot a lot. Um, so that's what I'm doing. Rest it. Uh, yeah. Wow. So, so, yeah, you, so, yeah. so, so I have my own foot, foot safety talk. Um, and <laughs> that's a whole uh, weird podcast. I think. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so as, as I think longtime listeners of the show might know, um, in fact, we, were we doing, were we recording the podcast when I, back when I was active in the Boy Scouts and we went to Philmont? I don't remember. You know, I think so. I, I think so. I think that was really early on. Um, so it was cause we started what in like 2014 or something. Right. So mm-hmm. I think you went, I think you went that year maybe. Okay. Like, I remember so, you talked about it and I knew you most from the podcast. So, so. <laughs> so, so I had, I, I, because I was training so much for, for Philmont, I had uh, plantar fasciitis. And so I went to a, a foot doctor and I got inserts, um, which were the only thing that actually fixed my plantar fasciitis. Huh. And that was the only thing that wasn't covered by insurance. Like they'd send me to physical therapy <laughs> and I could and pay a lot of money for that, but they wouldn't 
didn't pay for the $60 um, uh, inserts, which I wear Whoa. every day still today and, and have fixed my problem. But I recently I started getting a different problem, which I also played uh, Dr. Google. And there's a great there's a great website, which we will definitely link to called foot.com. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I bet people love that just, one. <laughs> no, no, it's totally it's totally legit. It's not like it's not like the sporting goods store dicks.com. That's a that's a whole different that's all different but um, yeah, and and I think I I, I sort of self-diagnosed myself, and I think I have met metatarsalgia um, because it's a it's a pain. But like sort of in front of the ball of the foot and behind the toes a little bit. Um, and, and it got really bad when, when, when back when, remember when we used to be able to go places um, and I went to a conference in um, uh, Braganza in, in Portugal oh, yeah. and, uh, and it was re- and we were doing a lot of walking because, you know, that's what you do when you're in Europe. And, 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 and I searched on the internet and it said, um, this could be caused by wearing your shoes too tight or your shoes too loose. And so I, I stopped lacing up my shoes quite so tightly and, uh, it, it got mostly better, although it sort of comes back a little bit, but I've just recently switched up and, and changed my uh, shoes. And I got a different different pair of shoes, um, which I think we've also talked before. And they're not a sponsor, but I just want to give a, a big shout out to the folks at Allbirds, um, who make some really really cool uh, shoes. So there you go. And very stylish. I like I like the Allbirds. I, 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 I've, seen the, I've seen the new running shoes. Yeah, uh, that, that's what I got. The Allbirds running shoes, and they're and they're really they're very stylish. Um, they are unfortunately white in color, and they're getting dirty. But the good news is, is that I think you can just throw them in the washing machine. Yeah, they're they're really nice. I like yeah. Yeah, um, uh, a guy that I coach hockey with um, had, had a, a couple of pairs of all birds, and I, I have admired yours and his. And I've never, you know, I, I never, I've never pulled the trigger. I should probably just go get them. They're just, they're very, they're uh, yeah, they're. they're um, uh, I, I like the look of them. I think they they look very comfortable, but they also just lo- look cool. Like they're yeah, they're they're cool cool. I like I like your Allbirds. Um, sp- yeah. Speaking of things that are not food safety that look cool, I did a um, a somewhat deep dive on my iPad the other day on electric bikes. Like like not not like motorcycles or electric scooters, but like bicycles that have electric pads on them or like mm-hmm. packs on them, because I've been I've been thinking. And this is this is what's what's happening right now in my mind frame is that I might want to ride my bike to my office, which is about ten miles away. It's a long way, um, and and it might be cool to do that every every once in a while. Um, but but then I thought, well, you know, it would be it would be even cooler if I didn't have to ride the whole way, but I just use some <laughs> electrics. <laughs> and so there's. I, I don't know how this came up, but there was like, and, and you know what you could do if it was like really a hot day or something, and you didn't want to be uh, on your electric bike in the hot weather, is you could take your automobile. You could take my automobile. Yeah. Well, so I saw someone riding one of these, um, and I was like, oh, that just looks like a cool. I'm, I'm gonna send you a, a, a something in the text text channel here. It's from this company called Rad Power Bikes, and they've got these like cool looking bikes. That that uh, have big fat tires that you can take them off road, um, and and they it just looks and they're not like expensive like the one that I was looking at is called the Rad Rover, and it's fifteen hundred bucks and and I think like people spend fifteen hundred dollars on a bike that doesn't power itself, um, and, and so 
I, I, this thing, it's called the Rad Rover 5. I had a conversation with Danny last night saying, I think I'd like to order one of these. And she's like, are you crazy? Like, you're not spending $1,500 <laughs> on a bike that you might ride to your office. Like, when you like when people go back to offices, you might ride it like five times. It's, she's probably true. So what I'm, what I'm actually going to do is there's a, another bike company in Durham, North Carolina, and I can't remember what they're called, but it's not it's not this group, the Rad Power Bike. Uh but you can rent a bike for a week and I'm going to do it. I'm going to rent it and I'm going to I'm going to ride back and forth and see if I actually like it and then I'll not buy theirs cuz theirs are much more expensive. I will buy this cheaper one. Um right. but but it I like I, I don't I, I think I'd like this idea. Like the, I even mapped it out where I could ride on almost fully on greenways to my office. Like like mm-hmm. I, I, I there's a there's a portion um, the first like uh, mile and a half or two miles maybe uh, are are on the road in a in a bike lane, but then the rest of it is is on a on bike paths, which seems like a really cool thing to do. So I might do this. Well, I, did, I just have to share, if you go to the, so we'll link to the specific bike that you want, but if you go to the main page for Rad Power Bikes, uh, their tagline is, go farther, grow closer, which I think is hilarious, because when you mentioned this to your wife, uh, she immediately uh, got angry, and so I yes. think that they might need to modify <laughs> modify that tagline, uh, go farther, have a fight with your spouse. Have a fight. Exactly. <laughs> see, yeah, see, see what, how this goes. Uh, so anyway, have you, I, I, I like, I mean, I, I like riding my bike and of course this is bothering me a lot because my, my foot, I've been out of action here for a week and, and my, um, older son, he and I have been riding, like he, he's gotten into mountain biking. So we're like doing some trail riding and having a lot of fun. Um, and then I was just like, I, I you know, it, I, I don't know. I'm sitting around thinking like, I'm going to change my life. Like this is the, this is the time, you know, you, you like, I'm going to. I'm making different decisions. I'm I'm really valuing the time that I have at home. I'm you know as as things um uh, as as re- I've I've really avoided opening up as a term. Like I'm I'm really really trying not to say that. As things open uh-huh. up, uh, I'm thinking about like re- relaxed restrictions, right? Like as 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 things as our restrictions become relaxed. I'm like, you know, I'd like to ride a bike more. Um, and so, so anyway, that, that's what, that's what took me to, to rad power bike. So if anybody, any listeners have ever had like an experience with electric bike or specifically the rad Rover five, um, the electric fat bike, um, the, the, yeah, let me know, reach out, reach out to me. This, it, it seems like something I would like to do. They also have a folding fat bike <laughs> that I think you can take on a, like in a, on a, on a train or something. We don't have trains here, but if I did, uh, I could take a train, <laughs> I could take a train somewhere and take my my folding bike out, out and just ride that for a while after the train. Well, you know, I mean, a friend of the friend of the the the, the podcast, um, Max Temkin, has a motorized skateboard. Uh, right, he could probably give you advice on on choosing a motorized skateboard. Oh my gosh, yes, I should I should reach out to Max um, on this. I, I think I would like this. I, I think I also I think I like the idea of this a lot. I don't know if I like the action of it. But that's why I'm going to rent one, right? Like this—that's the try it out. Well, it, right, rent. I, I think the renting—the renting is a good—is a good solution. We're um, so I, the other thing that I've been uh, doing. So we—I told you last time that we we um, built a chicken coop, but I didn't really build it. I was just part of part of the the building. Danny and, and Jack built it, and then a chicken run, and we've got our dinosaur chickens that are um, spending most of their days outside and then coming inside because it's a little cold overnight right now, um, and we mm-hmm. don't have a heater for them. Um, and then wait, 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 wait. So they spend, where do they spend the nights? 
in inside in a in a Rubbermaid bin, uh, which is in, <laughs> in your house. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's where they okay. lived for the first seven weeks, okay. and and so they don't they're not like walking around the house. They're yeah. in a rubber. As you know, that's <laughs> <laughs> true. I go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> It's weird. There's there's just like spent cigarettes and chip bags all over the place, and I wonder what the what are the what are the chickens been doing? <laughs> um, yeah, so they they are in this um, this Rubbermaid bin with a lid that they can't like hop out of. Um, and I can't say as far as you know, as far as I know, as far as I know, and 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 so Danny, we we've been like you know as as we're learning to be uh, farmers, really. I think that's probably the best way to to mm-hmm. sort of say that what we do now is is uh, <laughs> <laughs> living off the land, living off the land. <laughs> We're, we're we've got a got a, a quite a quite an animal and, and egg production uh, uh, situation here, uh, where we have two animals and zero eggs have been produced. Uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be a long winter. Um, uh, so we, we, we got, I think the winters are mild in North Carolina. Oh, it's so true. Um, so so we got we got these chi- we got these chickens. Um, they go they go outside to the to the chicken run into the coop for the day when it's warm, and then we we gather them up and bring put them in their um, in, in their Rubbermaid bin with a heater overnight, uh, and and then they 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 peck away trying to get out of their their thing, which is makes us there's this whole like dynamic now in our in our in our house where it's like well we you know it, we sh- the the chickens need more space, which is true, but if we put them outside they'll freeze to death, and and I, all I do is is show Danny and this is terrible because and this is probably why she's mad at me uh, for wanting an electric bike. I'm like, look, these chickens right now have a phenomenal life. Here are pictures of battery cages um, <laughs> that exist out there. And and our chickens, they they'll never they'll never live in this. They're, they yes, they happen to be in a in a rubbermaid bin overnight, but it's it's just the best way to start to start this. And this is where they live for the first little while. So so anyway, we we want them to get outside where they have more space um, on our farm uh, in our front so, in our front yard. S- so wouldn't wouldn't a good solution be to um, put a heater in the coop? It would it would be that's that's a kind of like the idea of getting a, a an electric bike and actually getting one. Like it would be, mm. but we don't really have a way to put a heater there. Like there's no electricity that goes to the coop. Um, how, how, how could you run a line? How well, far is we, it from? We could. It's it's true. Um, the but the heater that we have right now it's it's like it's called a heat blanket and they get underneath it and it doesn't mm. really fit in the same way in the coop uh, for them to it, got it yeah there, it. there's some logistic pra- yeah there's a logistics issue anyway it's only it's a short term situation um they they almost fully have all of their feathers which is the um as farmers know like like me um that's <laughs> that's the right time that they can spend their, their oh, lives okay. outside so this, this is just this is just a baby chicks uh yes. thing they're soon they're going to be fully fully insulated and then you can just just they can just spend all day every day and all night outside right right and in Got fact it. that okay. that day starts like like it could be this week Okay. Okay. Um, yeah. All right. Got, so, got. so this is just this is just temporary. I, it's just okay. temporary. It's not, yeah. right. So then doesn't make unless unless you're going to get in the business of having more baby chicks, which <laughs> well, you probably really will. Well, um, <laughs> you don't need uh, you don't need to have the the whole uh, uh, heater thing going just yet. So. Exactly. Yeah. Well, and so here's the thing. Um, we we've now uh, ordered. There are three more chicks that are arriving on the 20th of May. So these the current chickens need to be out of their their Rubbermaid bin because we got new bo- new boys coming in. Well, new girls, mm-hmm. I guess. 
uh, uh, coming. Hopefully, hopefully, girls. Uh, that's what we've ordered. Um, so, so the we, we we have built a coop large enough for five, and we will hopefully have five. We're, there is a concern that we have that we're maybe not very good farmers. This is a concern that Danny and I share that we've not like had a full conversation with our kids that we may not be very good farmers, although we've done what we think is a good job. Um, animal proofing the coop and run that maybe a fox gets in the hen house. Um, a, a literal fox in the literal hen house. Correct. Correct. Yeah. Uh, and, and that, that there'll be a massacre. So we're preparing, well, you know, that's that. a life lesson for your kids. It is. Kids, it, yeah. Take care of your things. Otherwise take, a fox might eat them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. 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 Or, or like a hawk breaks in yeah. or they get sick, you know, all these things. So, so anyway, we're, we're, we're trying to get up to full capacity, <laughs> as quick as possible. So we started with two. Well, actually, we started with three and one died. I think I told you that. I, uh, I No, I think I knew there were three and then now there's two. So I assumed yeah. that something happened. Yeah. Um, so one one did not make it through the first couple of days. It had a, a neck issue that it seems to be genetic for that breed. Um, Interesting. Yeah. And then uh, and then now we got two and they, they, they are uh, almost uh, not, I mean, not full grown, but they're, they're ready, almost ready to go outside. And then we have, we'll have three more and then that should be it. Uh, our farm will be complete. Um, although, though, Sam, my, my youngest kid, wants to have two two other things, uh, a llama, which is not mm-hmm. likely going to happen. Um, and then uh, it's just a small one. <laughs> yeah, I just want a tiny llama and then uh, and then a goat. Um, <laughs> no other reason. Just so that he can tell people he has a goat. That's it. Like, the, what what do you want out of the goat? Oh, nothing. I just want to tell people we have a goat. Yeah, goats are goats are kind of they're 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 kind of weird, but they're kind of cool. They are. I could see why I could see why he wants a goat. Yeah. Um. So so anyway, this is uh and and I mentioned in the last episode we're we're doing some sampling. Uh, we'll we'll know about the uh, the outside and the inside of 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 the coop and and the yard and and I'll I will update you over time about my uh my my experiment in spreading salmonella and Campylobacter throughout my my yard. Nice. Um. So. So anyway, that's yeah, that, that's what's going on. So uh, broken foot. I want an electric bike, and I'm a farmer. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that's a show. Let's wrap it up. <laughs> uh, what's going on with you? What, what's uh, as they as they say on uh, what Al Roker says? Uh, what, what does it look like in your neck of the woods? <laughs> same, same old, same old. Um, yeah, I, I, I really feel like I'm, uh, I'm somehow letting you down because my life is is the same as it was before. Except uh, now I don't go into the office on Friday. I just don't go in. On, I just I stay at home and then I don't travel and I don't go in even on Friday. But no, um, things are good. You know, university is. Um, we're we're we've graduated. Or we're graduating. Um, oh, and I want to I want to actually give a huge a huge shout out to three companies. So today, I don't know if you can see this, Ben. I'm gonna hold it right up right up to the microphone. I don't know. Can you see what I'm wearing here? Uh, no, um, uh, no, we uh, we we don't have our uh, our cameras on. Uh, <laughs> should I get <laughs> closer to the microphone? Okay, I'm looking. So, I can't. I, uh, I am I am wearing this is this was not a, not a gift to our students. More more on that to come. But I am uh, this was actually a gift from a friend of the show and past guest on the show, uh, Chip. Um, I, I never know how to say Man, his last Man, name. Manuel. Manuel. Man, Manuel. Man, Manuel. Uh, <laughs> Chip. <clears throat> uh, I'm wearing a lovely, stylish, uh, Lululemon, uh, Purell branded, uh, pullover. Whoa. You're that's, oh. that's pretty cool. You're, I am literally in the. Actually, this has a small pocket, um, uh, so I'm in the I'm in the big uh, pullover and small pocket of uh, of, of Purell. Of Purell. So, that's so, cool. So thanks. And then also. 
two other companies um, that I want to give a huge shout out to, uh, Chipotle and Amazon. And so basically we have a, a thing every year where we honor our graduates and we give them a, usually a giant gift bag full of donations from local companies, um, you know, and food products and stuff. And this year it's like, well, we can't do that because we we're not phys physically going to be in the same place. And we could send everybody a giant gift bag, but that's not really cost effective. And so we, some, someone, not me, got the bright idea. Well, could we get gift cards, um, or electronic gift certificates? It turns out you can't really get electronic gift certificates, but you can for sure get gift cards if you ask the right people. And so I asked a bunch of different companies and, um, uh, Amazon and Chipotle and Gojo came through. And so, um, we got, um, Amazon gift cards, we got Chipotle gift cards and, and, uh, Gojo sent a bunch of tiny little, um, single serving, uh, hand sanitizer bottles, a, a whole bunch of them. So, so all of the undergrads got a really nice uh, gift package that's been sent out to them, and we're working on putting together a gift package for all of our graduate students that graduated. And so, just a huge, huge shout out to those those three companies um, uh, for for helping out. That's that's super cool. And um, yeah, you, you'd mentioned that you were you were kind of reaching out to folks on this, and it it, it I, you know I, we we just also had our um, graduation that wasn't graduation. We're not we're, we're like like it's illegal for us to call it graduation or something. Like there's some some actual like don't don't refer to it as graduation. Oh, so I'm, oh, so I'm not. Because you 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 do not graduate people, Dr. Chapman. The university only the university can can uh, can can raise a child. Uh, can, Correct. Can, graduated student. Yeah. And, and there, so, so we had a, we had a zoom, zoom thing, like a celebration of completion, um, yep. on, on Friday. Um, and, and it's, um, it, it was, it was, it, it was, it was really, it was nice. I, you know, in our, our, um, my departmental graduation are all of our graduate students. No, sorry, not all of our grad, all of our students, um, undergrads and graduates, um, get, you know, really go up on stage and, and like, thank, you know, they introduce their, their family who's there and, and sort of thank them like a little bit like an Oscar speech, but not, not that, you know, not usually as politically charged. Um, and, uh, so we, so we did that via zoom where, where everybody had like a minute and, and they, you know, they were all in their living rooms and it, and it was cool. It was, um, I, I, I think a way to provide some, you know, level of like finality on the, on their academic undergraduate and, and graduate career, you know, degrees. Um, but it's, it's cool. I, I really like, like the idea of sending out little packets of things and, in a in kind of here, you know, congratulations. We, we were sorry we can't do some stuff in, in person, but here, here's some gift cards and, and, yeah, and, and, and by the cool. way, you're probably ordering stuff from Amazon anyway. Yeah. So here you go. And uh, you can get takeout from, um, Chipotle. And when you come back, uh, here's some hand sanitizer. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so well, it's, it's cool. It's very apropos. So, and uh, yeah, and I, and I, I sent, I sent out a bunch of requests. Um, a bunch of companies didn't respond. Uh, one, one company responded. We won't name them to say, well, um, yeah, well, our um, our CEO and all of our C level people are taking pay cuts, so uh, you know, we're we're not going to send you any gift cards. So like, oh, uh, sorry about that. Sorry, dudes. Yeah. Okay. I'm totally but yeah, understand. but so but apparently um, things are pretty good um, in some some necks of the woods. So yeah. So anyway, that's what's been going on. And the other thing too, actually, um, in in keeping with the theme of uh, you helping me to do my homework, um, uh -huh. I, I got a I got a um, an, a request um, from the Institute of Food Technologists, um, uh, which is uh, their tagline is IFT where you belong. Um, 
Okay. So Ben, you can advance your career, the profession and the science of food. Um, but th- this is this is from the media office, and they're they're having somebody that wants to um, answer some questions. And I thought it might actually this the questions are really good, um, and and they relate to a recent CDC report. Unfortunately, I think the questions that is being asked by this news outlet are not uh, answered or even answerable. Um, but I thought I would uh, I thought I would um, uh, talk with it talk with you about them. Oh, yeah. if that's okay with yeah. You. Let's do it. Oh, and the other thing too, before we get into this, let me just say, <clears throat> um, I have, because I've been in uh, COVID-19 mode, um, we've been getting a lot of feedback from Risky or Not and Food Safety Talk. And I have just been taking those emails and I've been shoving them into a folder on my uh, email program and I have not been responding. And so I've gone from being like the most responsive podcast host in history to um, like the least uh, responsive. And so, uh, so, so yeah, so we've got all of that listener feedback, which is not in the drop. Box. And then also I went through and I kind of cleared out the Dropbox of old stuff. And so it's really nice and new and clean and fresh, uh, but mostly just, just because I, I just threw a bunch of stuff, uh, put, put a bunch of stuff in, in a different place. And so, um, but we, we should probably try to do some listener feedback because I know people really like that and, and yeah, and we, I've just been really slack. So yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get there. We'll get there. Yes. So, so what what uh, what I'm being asked to comment on is uh, a, uh, a a thing from CDC uh, which came out in April, uh, not quite a month ago, uh, three weeks ago or so, uh, entitled "Preliminary Incidents and Trends of Infections with Pathogens." Transmitted commonly through food, um, foodborne disease active surveillance network, and we'll we'll link to that. So it's t- 2015 to 2018 data. But but the here, here are the questions um, from the reporter. Um, when it comes to infection from foodborne, that's two words, apparently, uh, foodborne pathogens, how much can be attributed to failure in the supply chain versus poor preparation at home, such as not sufficiently washing produce or thoroughly cooking poultry? So, Ben, do you have an answer to that question? Oh, <laughs> no, not really. <laughs> so why not, Ben? You're a PhD. You'd study this stuff. Why Why can't you answer that simple question? Oh, because it's not the most simplest question, and we don't have really great ideas of what happens in people's homes. Uh, and, I mean, well, we'll, we'll link to uh, the work that we did uh, on behalf of USDA FSIS with our partners at RTI um, on washing chicken, and we've talked about it in the, in the podcast uh, in, uh, in the past, and actually we've got a couple of manuscripts in preparation on this. Um, it, we, we don't, we like truthfully, we don't really know um, much about what happens. Like e- even in our studies, we're bringing people into a simulated situation. They may not act exactly what happens. We don't know a whole lot about uh, what happens in homes. What we did find was that when people um, rinse their chicken, they deposit um, the surrogate that, that we used, um, which is a, a, a lab uh, strain uh, E. coli uh K12 DH alpha um, into the into the basin of the sink, and then they didn't clean and sanitize the sink really well, and then they did a bunch of food prep in that in and around that sink, and that was that's what we found. Um, but I I mean that's such a very specific question, right? Like yeah, we we just don't we just don't have good data. We can guess about it, but I don't know. What do you what, how did you handle this or how, uh, how I, are you? I, well, I haven't yet. See, this is why you're helping me do my homework. Okay, good, I, good. I have some reactions, some internal um, in my head reactions, but I have not written the response yet. So. 
And I assumed I assumed that they were going to send put me in touch with the reporter, and then they're like, "Yeah, just send us your answers." So I was like, "Okay, so I'm I'm going to actually send it send it to IFT, but uh, but not right now because um, I'm I'm doing a podcast with yeah, you." Yeah. Um, so so that, so all right. So yeah. So I basically I I agree with you, right? It's like so failure in the supply chain. If if there's a if there's a big failure in the supply chain, we'll know it because it causes an, a signal, uh, an outbreak signal that 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 basically you know bumps through this onto the CDC radar, right? And I I keep using that radar analogy because I think it. I think it really works. Um, and if, if somebody screws up at home, uh, net probably not going to show up on anybody's radar, right? And so we're our system is well designed to find failures in the supply chain and really poorly designed at finding preparation in the, the problems with preparation in the home. Um, so I mean, we can do research like you've talked about, and we know that consumers do mess things up sometimes. But um, to the what to what extent does that? caused foodborne disease, it's it's anybody's, almost anybody's guess. I mean, you could maybe make some models and try to work it out, but it's going to, and then, and then again, and then the next, the next part of the same question, is there a difference in types of pathogens? And I would say it's probably different by different pathogen. And it's also probably different by different food type, right? And so the risks from fresh vegetables, and fruits are different from the risks from poultry, are different from the risks from beef, are different from the risks of, you know, um, uh, I don't know, dairy products, right, Absolutely. which are relatively low risk because they're mostly pasteurized. So so all of that comes into comes into play. Um, now, question two, which also has two questions in it. See, I don't understand. Like, why do people number their questions and then they give multiple questions as part of the question? <laughs> I just, it's, I just, we, I, we've talked about this before on the podcast. And this is maybe a thing I need to, uh, I need to find a therapist and maybe sit down and talk with them. Why this bothers me so much, but anyway, um, question two, which has two questions: um, What are the typical sources of foodborne pathogens? What are the risks of infection from packaged foods? Whoa! <laughs> so those, I wouldn't even put those two things together. But anyway, so Ben, let's take the first question first. What are the typical sources of foodborne pathogens? Oh my gosh! Um, uh, food? And food, yeah, um, food, animals, and people. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> right? Is it like yeah. wa water the environment typically? Yeah. Well, I think honestly what I think I'm going to do in response to this question is I'm going to send them uh that wonderful um uh top 10 list um from uh Mike Batts and, oh. and the other folks there yes. um who who basically looked at a risk ranking for and it's really pathogen um food, food combination. Best but again, paper. How, how do you come up with that list? You've got to make some assumptions, you've got to decide what you're going to value in terms of like, you know, again, so and this is not this is not typical, right? Because for typical what I mean, what does even typical mean, right? So what typical sort does that mean most common? Does that mean you know? We'll, again, so I would say it's probably if we if we make take a risk based approach, where's the where, where's the highest risk of acquiring a foodborne uh, disease? That which would be the way that I would ask the question or the question I'm going to answer. Right, and um, and wouldn't so just on that wouldn't typical and this this doesn't uh, you know the bat the bats paper is awesome and it's uh, bats Hoffman and, and Morris I use this paper literally daily um, for a couple of things. One and this is the one that, like I use this in in talks almost every talk. Um, that number two on the list is uh, because this is ranking the disease burden. Number two is toxo and pork, right? Like, right. like two. So is that first of all? Is that a typical foodborne pathogen? I mean, I, if we're looking at ranking how much it costs society, then yes. Um, but it's not something that we see a whole lot of. But I, I love, I absolutely love that paper. But if we're looking at that second part of the question of where is it likely coming from? I mean, are we? Is it just like typically you're getting foodborne illness? Typically, most likely from uh, restaurants through norovirus. Like, like if yeah, it, like that's well, it. 
Yeah. And the one, the one, two punch. So the, the one, uh, the one is bats at Al and the two is Scallon at yeah. Al. Right. I mean, so there you go. I mean, there's the there's the best answer we have. It's you know, if you're going to get sick from something, is pro- uh, foodborne disease is probably norovirus. Yep. But but it might not even be from food, right? Or it might right. be you know food adjacent. So yeah. Right. 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 Abs- absolutely. Um. But I guess more. Uh, and, and this will, this is us critiquing the questions. Um. This is that's the part of the <laughs> well, this conversation. That's why that's why I wanted to do here. this with you, Ben, because these are not. As particularly good questions, but which of course I can't tell that to the questioner, but I needed I needed to vent, so thank you. Right. Well, you're 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 welcome. Um, but well, also, what what are you going to do with that answer? Right. Like typically, people get norovirus. Okay. That how does that help? Like how how am I how am I advancing things? Like your answer is correct. Like that's not my you know that's not my point. It's just it's like you said the question doesn't get you to to the overall focus. Of, of what they're what they're talking about which is all right if we look at specific pathogens commonly transmitted through food where what do we see right like that's what that's what this paper is about um and and so i oh, i don't know uh, there's another so what is there were there other questions is there other oh stuff? yeah we're only okay. we're only halfway through the second question okay. and there's four there's four questions and by four questions i mean there's four numbers um <laughs> i feel like this, <laughs> second, this is like a comprehensive part. exam do i get second <laughs> yeah, well, at the end of this you'll get a you'll have a phd oh, okay good, <laughs> of course good. you had a phd to start with um so so second part of the second question what are the risks of infection from packaged foods uh the the food inside of them carries a, pa- a pathogen. <laughs> yes, and 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 every food pretty much has a package, except for I don't know apples you buy in the bulk bin at the grocery store, right? So what is that? What is that? I think what they mean is processed foods, right? And right. so, again, even even a processed food. Like a cereal product, if there's a if there's a screw up in the supply chain and you have um, um, you have salmonella in your malt meal or whatever, yep. uh, you know, uh, you can have a you can have an infection. So I think well that's that's not really a very good question. Except I mean except to say maybe the risks are lower from processed foods, but unless there's a screw up in the process. So question three, um, and this is another two part question. And actually this gets to something that might that might actually be interesting. Um, for, and I'll read you both questions, but then we'll take the first one first. Um, and actually the third one, actually the third one is a really nice segue into our two guests, uh, which are coming up soon. I didn't even plan this, but, but we'll get to that. Um, okay. So, so three, what are the shortfalls in the supply chain? And then, and then part B, how might this get worse during the current pandemic? So, so Ben shortfalls in the supply chain, shortfalls in the supply chain, and sorry, sorry, sorry. You, you in the back. What are the shortfalls in the supply chain? And what was part? What was B? What was? How, how might this get? Are you pay attention? Please. Well, I, I, I was thinking about the shortfalls, and then I couldn't. Uh-huh. I wasn't. I wasn't paying attention in the second half. How might this get worse during the current pandemic? Oh my gosh. Okay. Um, so the shortfalls in the supply chain. Wow. I, I guess that. Um, I, I guess you could you can talk about. Um, the implementation of, of hitting standards, right? Like I think that's where our guests are going to talk about like what, what we, we have these, um, these ideas of what we should be doing for food safety all the time. But the, the, I think the shortfall is that it, that practical reasons, uh, economic reasons, educational reasons, not everybody implements things to the standard all the time and they may not even know that they're missing the standard. And, and that leads to, um, to, you know, introduction of, of contaminants or, um, you know, the less, the likelihood that whatever processes they have in place are, are not going to take care of them. 
Um, so, and, and I, I would yeah. also add to that, we have a very complicated supply chain, right? And so it's for meat and poultry, it's a relatively simple supply chain, but for let's say processed foods, it's very complicated. And so what if I source a milk powder for putting on my cheese uh, uh, spray topping for my Doritos and that milk powder has salmonella? Well, now I've got salmonella on my Doritos and they, it might not be killed by the Dorito process because it was put on the Doritos after they were processed, right? right. And so now I've got to do a recall. But then now there's knock-on effects because who else got that milk powder and what kind of foods did that go into? And so uh, so I think another shortfall, and I can call it a shortfall, it's just the food supply chain we have, is that it's a very complicated supply yeah. chain, yep. right? And and there's a lot of record keeping and tracebacks are difficult. Um, it's more difficult with fresh produce because you have to trace things back to a farm and there's complexity there when there's, when there's a, a problem, right? So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So how's all this going to get worse during the current pandemic? Uh, uh, I don't, I, I think, I don't know. I don't think it is. I mean, I, <laughs> how is it going to get worse? How's it going to get better, Don? That that's a better that's a better question. Well, I I mean, I I don't know. Um, I don't think that it's going to change. Uh, would would well, be yeah. Well, so here, here here a current shortfall is maybe we don't have enough inspectors, and that might get worse. We've talked about this a little bit before on the podcast that that it might get worse because we don't we, we uh, inspectors are not inspecting as much because of uh, COVID nineteen restrictions. So that could get worse. Right. Oh, someone's trying to call us. We're not ready for uh, them. Are we? Wait. Well, yeah, we'll just tell him. Just give him a second. Oh, you still there? I'm here. Okay, good. Well, it came up and then you were gone. Oh, so, um, okay. So I got, I've got something on this too, and of course this isn't showing up in. All right. So so the MMWR, the link that you sent me, mm -hmm. is from is 2019's FoodNet, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. The um, it, like from, but there there was one that came out on May 1st that we have in the. The this the one they wanted you to talk about is the one from from May, right? So I also got asked about this, not from not from IFT, but the I got asked from CNN, and the thing that they highlighted, oh, yeah, just, it's just a little name drop there, yeah, yeah CNN, uh, fake fake news, CNN failing, is it failing New York Times? I can't remember. It's all they're all the same now. Uh, uh, so anyway, the thing I, that I prefer the, the the Amazon Washington Post myself. Amazon Washington Post, yeah. The thing that they highlighted, or the journalist highlighted, she asked me um, in the right in the preamble, uh, and I'll read from it. The incidence of enteric infections caused by these eight pathogens reported by FoodNet sites in 2019 continued to increase or remained unchanged. And I'll highlight this from uh, in, in the uh, document, indicating progress in controlling ma major foodborne pathogens in the United States has stalled. They use the word. This is you know CDC said that the this is stalled, and then. Um, and again, uh, they use the word stalled, um, at the end, which I like, um, the landscape of foodborne disease continues to change as do methods to determine incidents and sources for these infections. Food net surveillance data indicate the progress in controlling major foodborne pathogens in the United States has stalled, uh, to better protect the public, uh, and achieve forthcoming healthy, uh, people 2030 foodborne disease reduction goals, more widespread implementation of known prevention measures and new strategies to target particular pathogens and serotypes are needed. And so, so what, what CNN asked me was, do you agree? And I was like, hell yeah, I agree. I think that if we look back, this, this isn't, you know, um, it, it, it's not, 
I guess, revolutionary um, to, to demonstrate that we've been spending a lot of time and, and focus and money on foodborne illness, and we haven't been able overall, if we look at the big, big goals and aims, to move, to move the needle if we just look at the numbers. But, but we have to take it in, in, into account, and CDC talks about this in, in the, uh, you know, uh, TAC et al. talk about this, say that, well, one of the things that we have to, you know, mention is that our ability to find things that is better, right? Uh, right meaning right. we can find, you know, we're, we're better at finding outbreaks, we're better at finding clusters, we're better at finding individual illnesses. So, so the numbers may not change. We're getting better at it. Um, maybe they are going down if we measured them in the same way that we did 10 years ago, but we don't. And so, so we, we have to get better. And, and I, I mean, I agree with that. I, 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 like, it was really hard for me to, um, to sort of say anything, anything else. I, and I, I guess just holistically, I think that every day we should be getting, trying to get better at this. And, and I've talked about, um, on, you know, we've, we've talked about on the podcast, like just some of our colleagues who are super smart individuals in the food industry, where they are in, in companies that are, uh, they have to balance profit and they have to balance food safety. Um, the ones that I think do the best are the ones that really worry about this, that think that their people are terrible. Like they would never say that, but they're like, our people can't do this right. Our suppliers aren't very good. Our staff aren't very good. Every day I worry that we're going to have an outbreak. And that that's the piece that um, uh, that that I really want to like, you know, that I highlighted was like, yeah, that I think we we, we can't it, let's not rest on our laurels and say, hey, we are getting better. It has stalled. We've got to continue to get better. Um, our, our guests are, are calling. Should we should we call? Should we let them in? Hello. 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 All right. We've got we've got we've got. Uh, Harold of Harold and Barnum is Barnum here? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Howard Barnum. Howard, Harold, Howard, we got How Howard Barnum, Harold Barnum, and and uh, is Don Don? Are you still here? I'm still here. Can you hear me? I got you. I got, I can I got Gordon. Hear you. Good morning, Doctor Schaffner. Good morning. We got Good morning, Doctor Hayburn. So so when when you called and interrupted us doing our podcast, yeah. I was in the middle of asking Ben a series of questions. And we've oh. actually now gotten to the last question, which comes from a reporter. Um, and it's actually a question that is perfectly teed up for you, okay? And so okay. I, I want you to listen carefully and know that you will be judged on the quality of your answer, okay? Absolutely. Ready? Yeah, okay. as always. Have, have, <laughs> have, have any... Yeah, I mean, you know, anyway, we have a whole conversation about judging. Um, have any third-party certifications or auditing programs been proven to reduce the risk of foodborne pathogens? Uh, so in terms of reducing the risk of foodborne pathogens, a very specific question. I don't know I could say yes to that. So there is some work that was done, um, and I'll find the... I'll find the, the reference. Um, it was a, commissioned originally by uh, part of the GFSI group and then somewhere else. And what it did say was that proportionately there were certainly less recalls uh, in general from sites that were GFSI cert or certified to a GFSI standard. Uh, now, obviously, there. Are, I'm just going to make up numbers now. Let's just say there are 10,000 certified sites in the world, and there's a, a million uncertified sites. Mm -hmm. um, but proportionately, 
So of a proportion of recalls, um, more came from uncertified sites than certified sites. So the evidence says that it does do something. Now, whether the reduction in recalls is linked to more, more common uh, recalls we're seeing at the moment is things like allergen, mislabeling mm -hmm. and right. so on. So right. I don't know if it improves pathogen control um, or another um, hazard and, and, and risk that, that manifests. So, but there's definitely been some work that suggests that um, we are, you do see less recalls from sites that are certified. Okay, well, that, that, and that's... And, that's and I'll find the reference, and then you can link it um, uh, to the podcast. So that'll be one of my uh, tasks for after we finish chatting. But definitely there is something there um, on that. Okay, very good. Thank you. Well, okay. that's, I think that, that about wraps that it up. Was, but, but that was... <laughs> oh, yeah, thank you for... Um, yeah, we're, we're here all week. Um, thank you for um, thank you for that. But no, but on the subject of, and, and, and it's something that Andrew is very well versed in, um, third-party standards at the moment mm -hmm. is, is very challenging um, because obviously with lack of travel and and so on, how how we're actually doing auditing and how audits are, are going to and meant to happen is actually quite a challenge, and there's been a lot of discussion, and and it's quite um, it's quite an emotion it's quite an emotive subject. Um, some people are very keen on there being a level of remote auditing. Some people don't feel that it's going to add much value, and 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 I, and I, I do think there's other things that impact that. It's a, it's a quality. It's always a quality issue. I think there are some people who can probably do very good audits remotely, um, and there are some people that won't. And so, um, but it will be interesting. My my bigger concern is that if we're saying, and we, and we should get Andrew in on this because he's mm -hmm. on the, the GFSI technical working group as well, um, as well as being a specifier through through his company. Um, my own take is that. If we really have confidence in the sites that are certified, and if you're doing a really good audit, and, and we can talk that forever, and, and, and we know people have published on, on that, ben, uh, that paper Ben did a million years ago, um, I still, I'll still reference. Um, oh, Andrew's just sent me a message saying he's free now, by the way, if you want to try and, and clip him in. Um, so there are people who um, will say, well, you know, you can't do a particularly good audit if you're not there. My, my take on audits is that an audit should allow you as the auditor to try and get a feel for what happens when you're not there. So it's a bit like, and we've talked on this before, um, if you have visitors coming to your house, and, and again, um, both you gents and your lovely um, spouses have actually been to our house, we kind of know you're coming, we tidy up a bit. Yeah, exactly. Because we know you're coming. Exactly. You know, I know you both think that our house is always immaculate and there's no dust and <laughs> everything is just so. Um, but the fact is, if you know people are coming, then you tidy up. So the, the function of a good audit, for me, is... I try and determine, are there systems and processes and procedures in place? And is there a depth of understanding and a series of behaviours that say, when I'm not here, this is how this company behaves? And we're back to culture and other things. So if you genuinely believe you've been auditing well, and you've been certifying sites that have that good behaviour and good culture, them missing an audit by three months or four months shouldn't be the end of the world. 
because you have to think that's ingrained in the very fabric of the of the company, how they are and, and who they are. So the fact that we're now getting a little bit hysterical on, oh, well, we need to do some remote audits because people's certificates are running out, I'm not sure we've got it right. Um, and so I, I just think that perhaps we've not been auditing well if this three-month or four-month delay is... It's, it's almost the end of the world for some of the, some of the people. So, so it's an interesting it's an interesting thing. So are there are, are there standards for how to do a remote audit, or or, or do you think is the industry kind of just making it up as it goes along here? I mean, has there has there been a history of remote audits in the past? So I don't know if Andrew's in on this yet. Have you got Andrew in? Not yet, and my okay. audio is all messed up. Perfect. So, so I'm trying. So, yeah. So, John, yes, there is. There's um, there is some guidance documents from um, certification uh, bodies, um, ISO, and other um, bodies. Again, I'll send you the links on other techniques for doing audits. So, use of um, information technology and communication, um, and other remote methodologies, and they are used in non-food standards. So we know in things like the ISO, 9,000, 14,000 and so on, um, they will do and they can do part of the audit remotely, primarily documentation. Right. Because, I mean, that, that documentation is, you know, like here you can see this in person or I can fax it to you, right, or, or scan yeah. it and send it to you, right? So that, that obviously all of that, there, you know, th th what you can't do necessarily or you can't do as easily is actually go and walk around the food processing plant. Although I suppose, I suppose with the right technology, you could sort of do that, right? It's like, okay, well, you, you, here, turn on your camera and I'm going to tell you where I want you to walk, right? You could, um, and some, and there are people who have some of that technology. I think Andrew's actually seen a demonstration um, when he was in uh, Japan last year. I'm sure uh, he mentioned there were people wearing uh, glasses, and oh, then that individual yeah. would walk around. And yep. and and I think they were using it. Um, the company were using it to actually identify. Um, buying things, so where you should position things on a supermarket shelf where consumers' eyes go. Right. I think that's where the technology came from yep. to say, how do you improve the sales? So it, it can be done. I think that with those sites that, um, and certain standards where it's more around the quality management, um, a lot of it does revolve around documentation. If you look at food safety um, and, and health and safety, but let's take food safety where most of us um, place our or expertise, I think with that, um, a lot of it is witnessing behaviour. So uh, it's very easy. I mean, I'm, and, and we know it happens. Um, some of the documents that people see um, may not actually be 100% truthful because um, we've seen it. That's right. why we have things with horse meat and we had peanut Corporation of America with their fake results. So we know that people will also mess about with documentation. Uh, what they can't change is, is observing behaviours. So if you look long enough, you will see um, how people are behaving. So I think there's... So for me personally, there is absolutely some value in some remote audit. My concern is that it's become a really big thing when I would like to think most of the companies that I've ever worked with um, have systems and procedures and practices in place that they follow on a day-to-day -day basis because it, it's integrity, isn't it? We talk about integrity is how you behave when nobody's watching. Um, so if you trust the company and you feel you've done a good job, then you have to say the fact that I don't get there within this two-week or two-month or three-month window cannot be the end of the world. And the fact that people are behaving like this is 
you know, the, the, the food supply is going to stop when and odd things are going to fall apart unless we get there. For me, that's actually um, that's actually more worrying. Right, um, right. Because, uh, and honestly, if people only behave appropriately when you're there, well, if you're only auditing once a year or once every six months or, or even once a month, th- there's 29 other days in that month, <laughs> many months, where they're just doing whatever they want, right? So absolutely. I mean, if, if, you're, if, you're fi- if you're relying on the physical presence of auditors to make sure that people are doing the right thing, I mean, and then we can, and then conversely, we can look at the meat industry, in the U.S., where USDA inspectors are often there all the time, and yet we still have problems with the meat supply, right? So yeah. cl- clearly, I mean, and I, so and you know, I, I talk about this in some of the lectures that I give. Um, you know, inspection is good thing, um, but but simply m- inspecting more doesn't mean it's any safer, right? It's really Absolutely. more about how you inspect and what you inspect, and and again, as you were pointing out, like creating that food safety culture so that you know that people are going to do the right thing um, when there's not an inspector there, right? You, um, yeah. Yeah, and that's why the unannounced audit, and, and so if, if you remember, and we've spoken about this before also, um, one of the things that I did when I joined uh, this company, Trophy Foods, was, um, and, and it was part of the deal I struck with um, my boss to say, I'm, I'm looking forward to joining Trophy, but as a company, you must be prepared to enter into an unannounced audit program properly, because right. then you take us as you find us and I'm not saying that everything's perfect all the time um, but you know the fact is you take us as you find us so if you turn up um, we are who we are and we're doing what we're doing and and that's as it should be and that's the whole part about the culture so of course like everybody there are always things you would want to do a little bit better a little bit quicker and, and, and a little bit more efficient and all these things that you do but the fact is that you know, if, if you're fundamentally, if you believe you're behaving well, then you're behaving well. And it doesn't matter who's watching uh, or that. So I, I think that we need to get more of that. So, you know, instead of saying, well, we'll do more remote auditing and, and you're not auditing, you're checking documentation. Well, I don't know that's an audit um, because you're also checking retrospective records. Primarily. And and so that tells you, you know, that says, well, three months ago we did this clean and here's some swab results. Right. And and that's great to know. Um, That doesn't tell the whole story. So one of the things that you need to be the the function of really good auditing and the reason it's important to have strong audits in in person is to challenge the, you know, the the what if scenarios and how do you do this and why did you do that? uh, As opposed to, oh, yeah, I know you said here's a sheet that said your metal detector was running fine on Tuesday the 7th. Um, it's why do you metal detect and why do you think that frequency is the right frequency and why do you think that test piece is the right size of test piece and what do you do if so and we don't and we we see a little more of that and we're getting better um, but that's the function of audit otherwise you know I can just send you a pile of records and you can say yeah well done Gordon I see that you said you were going to do some sanitation on this once every day and yeah I can certainly see a sheet with a lot of check marks on it <laughs> exactly. that suggests you did that exactly so exactly so I think that we need to get on top of that a bit more um, but it's but it is interesting and I think the remote audit um, I think that the remote audit portion is fine it has some benefit and so, some of the, st- the food standards 
do allow it a little. So it's been a long time um, since I was involved in all of the standards. But when I was um, at, at SEI Global, I was the technical director there, as you know, mm-hmm. and, and, and we had all of the food standards in our portfolio. At that time, certainly, for sites that were going for their very first SQF audit, um, there was a a capability, I don't know if it was a requirement, but there was certainly a capability that the first part, the document review, would be done remotely. And that was obviously to save um, a lot of time and expense of auditors coming to your site and then finding you were you were really not quite ready. Right. So they would they would do some of the, the initial part of the audit, making sure you had some of the basic systems in place, making sure you had policies and procedures that seemed to make some measure of sense, um, making sure you had some uh, evidence of training records and so on. So they would do um, a, really a, a sift to say, yeah, we can do this remotely. And now it looks like you're ready for us to come and visit and, and really do the whole thing. Right. And that made, that made sense because you don't want to waste time and effort and money. So I, th- I absolutely think there's some benefit to doing it. But with everybody going mad on uh, food safety culture and everybody has a module on food safety culture and so on, if we genuinely believe we're doing it right, uh, then then we have to trust that the people are doing it right when we're not there. Because that's the whole thing. If they have a good culture of food safety and good behaviour, then that's what they do when nobody's watching. Yep. So I, I feel that we need to get we need to get stronger on that. So um, I want to I want to come back to something that you said earlier. And, and if you don't want to answer the question, it's it's fine. So you said that one of your conditions for taking the job at Trophy Foods was that they enter into an unannounced audit program. Um, can you? I mean, I I think I and you've explained why. Can you? And and I understand if you if you don't want to or can't talk about Trophy Foods. But but did that? And I'm assuming that they agreed to your condition because you took the job. So, so what were? Can you talk about some of the specific things that maybe surprised you or surprised others at the company as a result of going into that unannounced program, or did, or did it sure. kind of go the way you expected? It, no, it, well, both. Um, so, uh, the reason I asked for that as a requirement was I think if you're committed to doing food safety right, you do it, and and you live it. So you don't necessarily have, and, and we've, we've also talked about this before, we will see companies that have um, food safety objectives and we're going to do X and do Y and reduce complaints and so on. And, and that's all fine, okay? For me, food safety should never be an objective. It's a core value, okay? You can't have an objective to do X or Y. Food safety is just a value that you have as a company. And Trophy Foods had it. They were already certified when I joined um, and, and they had been certified for several years. So uh, so that was great. No, the reason I, I asked for it was because the last time I had worked in manufacturing, um, unannounced audits were not an option. So no site, they just didn't exist at that time. Mm. So um, with that in mind, I said, look, I've done this before. I've done audits. I've helped sites get the top grade and so on. And, and, and that's not that's not of interest to me as a challenge as a food safety person. I want to, you know, try this unannounced audits and they basically said to me oh do you think we can do it and I said well actually I do because I think you're a good company and I think if I look at what you're doing and I look at the people you've got and actually um the the surprise was I had way more belief in them than they had in themselves interesting and I think, but I think that's also because you get into that mindset of we need to be ready for an audit, we need to be ready for an audit, and so on. And all oh, the auditor will do this, and we, do. and and again, 
the way that the GFSI audits, or any audit, but the, the benchmark standards, they're meant to assess how you behave all the time. And I think that companies sometimes forget that. They, they forget that the audit is just about this is who we are and, and take us as you find us. And if there's things we need to improve on, we will improve. And I think people got hung up on these audits and, and it became a big thing. And the reason, the, the beauty of moving to a completely unannounced audit is the minute that you say, as of now, we are in this unannounced scheme, okay? You can no longer focus on the audit because you don't know when <laughs> Because you don't know when it's going to come, exactly. Because you don't know when it's going exactly. to happen. Yep. So you focus on the standards. Yep, exactly, yep. And that's why, for me, it works, because yeah. you just say, well, this is either the right thing to do. And, and like every company, and, and, you know, I saw emails when I started, because actually I started in June, and the first audit was in July. And I said, look, I'm not getting overly involved in this, but just so you all know, going forward, it's going to be unannounced. And I had QA managers, great QA managers and, and, and great people saying, OK, the audit's coming, and we need to have this done, and we need this document signed. And I'm saying, OK, but we don't really. Because you're good at what you do. So stop trying to pander to an audit that you think and just tell people what you're doing. Um, but that's that's also about a mindset. When you're used to being audited and, and your grade and your business and all of that depends on that and you don't have any other background in that, you don't necessarily feel comfortable saying to someone, well, why are you sitting there on your backside? And then get up off your backside and go and look and see what's going on. Um, so that was one of the things. And then the other thing that we changed is we got everybody involved. And I think I've told you before, um, I promised, I asked people that I wanted a, an unannounced audit and I wanted at the time, the top grade was a, an A plus. And I, I spoke with all the manufacturing staff, every operator in the business, we had small group meetings and we explained what was going on. And we got them used to being audited. So we would do our GMP audits and our internal audits and we'd get them used to being asked questions on the line, show me what you do, what do you do if this goes wrong, who do you tell, just the basics of good good, good auditing. So our, our, our staff got comfortable with that. And then I'm going to say, I think it was year three of, I knew we had made it, year three of the unannounced audit, I had a line operator come to me in my office, uh, the audit's going on. Um, and she came up to my office and said, Gordon, the auditors in our factory, we have 18 different lines going on at different times. Um, and she said, he looked at um, this lane and he looked at that lane, but he walked past my lane and he's gone somewhere else. And she said, I want him to come to my lane so I could show him what we were doing. Uh, yes, please inspect he, me. Yes. Why didn't you and inspect me? Said, you, do you think he'll come back? I said, do you know what? If I were you, I would go back to the line and I would go up to the auditor and I'd say, I know you're busy, but I'd like you to come so I can show you what we're doing on our line. Because I know if I was the auditor and if I have a member of staff who wants to tell me what they're doing, you have to believe that they believe it. And, and, so, and we also stop blame. You know, I, 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 the blame lies with me and it lies with the president. If we're not doing something right, then that's my issue. I obviously didn't provide the right training or the right facility or the right equipment to allow people to do the job properly. I didn't, I didn't check that it was being done. I own that. You know, I, so it's okay for me saying I'd like to celebrate the success of this grade and so on. But, but also with with that comes the responsibility. I also own any failure. So I said, look, if, if we get a non-conformance because something isn't right, that's my issue. 
you know, I obviously didn't do this part right for you. So we just had people more engaged. But when she said, Gordon, he came and he walked past my line, do you think he'll come back? And I thought, how fantastic is that, that you want to show him what you're doing and you've been gearing up for this and this is who you now are. And the other thing, and again, I've told you this before, um, when I tell all of the people who work in our plant, if anybody asks you what you do for a living, you tell them you're a food safety professional. That's your answer. You don't say I'm a machine operator or I'm a packer or I'm a roaster or I'm an ex. You say I'm a food safety professional because everything I do is about keeping me, you, and your family safe. So we just try and encourage people to to be more engaged in that and ask questions and mm. and stuff. So uh, and and we, and we have we have some great people. I have to say I, I've been very lucky here. Um, I've, I have a boss that's completely supportive, um, who gets me, and, and obviously yourself and Don. I think Andrew's now, yourself and Ben. I mean, and Andrew's now on the line. You all know my personality of of many years. Um, my boss gets my personality. <laughs> that's a, that's an all-encompassing word. Um, you, you know, but my boss gets it. He knows my passion. He knows that I want to do the right thing. He knows to, uh, you know, whenever I ask for investment or stuff like that, I never get pushback. I don't spend ridiculously. But I just never get pushback. I want to invest money in. Yesterday I had a quiz. Um, I want a hundred dollars in McDonald's gift cards because I'm trying to encourage good behaviours all the time with um, COVID-19, mask wearing and segregation and so on. So I walk through the plant and I see people and I'll ask them questions. And when they get it right on the exhibit of good behaviour, they get the $10 McDonald's go and have a coffee at some point card. Um, and and it's, it's for nothing. It's a couple of hundred bucks we're spending um, on, on doing this. And, and it just works. People want People want to do the best they can. It's our job as, as leaders to allow them to do the best they can. So, so, so speaking speaking of personalities, um, we've resolved yeah. our technical difficulties, and, and I, I think I think I think we have Ben and um, Andrew on the line, uh, and so I want to give them a chance to talk. But I don't, and so we've been having this very extensive conversation in Facebook Messenger, which is not my preferred messaging platform, but it is the preferred messaging platform of some of us. Um, and and in that, uh, Gordon, you promised a story involving Eminem and Joel Gray, so I'm going to hold you to that. Uh, yes. But let's let's uh, take the opportunity for maybe our second guest to unmute and introduce himself. Andrew or Ben, are you there? <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> well, um, I'm guessing our second guest wants to remain anonymous um, because they are disguising their voice. <laughs> Okay, I think that was Ben. He says, I'm going to restart. So I think the call okay. may, may drop here. Oh, Hello? Well. Can you hear nope. me? Hey, oh, Ben. Can you hear Ben? Did we, did we get Andrew? Uh, he's here, but he sounds like Darth Vader. Say hello, Andrew. <laughs> Amazing. See, I, I don't know what's happening. This the, like Skype has been terrible today. Well, I was going to wait till Andrew joined. Um, to congratulate um, award winners. Um, but Dr. Schaffner, congratulations on winning the Morris Weber. Thank you. Um, very, very prestigious, very well done, very well deserved. So thank you. Thank you very uh, much. I, I, I doubt I'm going to I doubt that I'm going to pick the award up in person, but that's okay. I know. Well, that's what I was thinking. I do hope that the event goes ahead because obviously we have a few friends who are being honored. Um, 
so it would be it would be nice to see it happen in person, but um, but still a very a very nice award and, and very well deserved for your well thank your lab you. work. Well, thank you. Very very pleased, and and then obviously we'd like to get Mr. Andrew Clark on the call because he's also um, one of this year's award winners. Well, Yes, yeah. yes, and we should we should say we should say what he won and why yes. and why it's so awesome. So yeah, we can obviously tell, and then we can congratulate because um, so Andrew was the year's winner of the IAFP Harold Barnum Industry Award, um, and similar to um, to all of the good awards at IAFP, there there's a couple that are sector specific, and and the Harold Barnum um, and Harold was. Um, Obviously, I, I I googled this a few years ago. Um, he he was one of the um, he was one of the one of the very early people involved with Ianthus and and the dairy um, groups and so on that were part of the the precursor of IFP. Um, and he was a, a dairy um, food safety specialist, I guess. Um, so a very nice award to win. And and the reason I know so much is um, I was very honoured to win it in 2012 which seems a long time ago. So to be in the company of all award winners is, is quite exciting. And, and obviously it's very thrilling to, to know that um, Andrew is a very deserving uh, that she was winner of that award for for his leadership in the food industry. And, so it, indeed, and there, it's a long it's a long list of uh, past awardees um, who've who've made a real uh, real difference in the food industry. So it's a I, it's a, certainly an august group. It it really is. I when I I I, I, I was the winner in twenty twelve, and when I looked at the people that won it, you kind of think. Uh, because it's, it's like any of these things, you, you think you're doing a good job and you hope you're doing a good job. And then but you look at these people and, you, and these are all people that you admire and people you may have even referenced in papers you've written and so on. And then all of a sudden you think, do I really deserve to be in this group or am I just playing? I mean, like, is, have I managed to sneak into this party uninvited? Right, exactly. Uh, and, and and so when you do look at the winners, it's great. Um, and then obviously to to see you know how well some of the people are doing. So yeah, so very good. So hopefully IFP, if it goes ahead, um, that would be good. Um, but if not, we will. Um, I guess it will just be a double award ceremony. Uh, the following year, we can we can honour everyone and get them to. Uh, yeah, know, it, it'll be. Uh, yeah, I'm. I'm very. I'm very interested uh, to see, and not at all envious of the decisions that uh, that David, our executive director, and the board uh, will have to be making. So it's definitely, uh, definitely a challenge. So yeah, and we'll we'll also link to. Um, the Wikipedia entry for imposter syndrome, which I think is what, what you're talking about, right? Uh, so where uh, you you really you really think you don't belong there, and that soon everyone's going to discover, you know, that you're actually a fraud and you're not really good at what you do in terms of in terms of food safety. And so it is it is a common it's a common thing, uh, I think, among successful people that that think that perhaps they're not uh, they're not quite as they're not wor- worthy of uh, of the uh, accolades that they've received. So, but can I just say how much we enjoyed the Zoom? Thing you all did the other night. Oh, thank you. Um, that thank was you. also fun, um, and it's another nice um, to see technology being used for food safety and for fun and so on. And um, and I think I messaged you, but um, uh, you know I want you to know that we joined from separate computers to increase your <laughs> yes, we, and we appreciate that. That was that was very <laughs> nice sure of you. You, push, you pushed us over the top. Absolutely. That you was got our numbers that, up. That one. That's the one that get you commissioned. So um, yeah. So that was. But that was fun. 
Um, and again, nice to see people. And I think that um, it was nice to see the video of people that you haven't seen or, or been speaking to for a while. Um, and certainly with with isolation and with behaviours and COVID-19 and so on, it was actually fun to see people in person. So, yeah, congratu- I thought that was fun. We had we had some fun listening to listening to it in, in, in our home. So, yeah, well, yeah, that was, and, and was you know, speaking of that, so one of the things that I, I did uh, recently um, is I had a, a we had a video um, uh, dinner date with my graduate student, uh, Dane, former graduate student, Dane and his wife. And then the last one, actually, Ben and uh, Danny joined us. And I'm thinking, you know, Gordon, we might want to do a similar thing. It's, you don't want to have too many people on the call or it gets too crazy, but I'm thinking maybe, um, you, we should invite you and Andrew, um, uh, to, to have dinner or drinks with us some, some night and not, not put it on the internet, just, just hang out and talk. So cool. That, and that would be cool. Cause I do miss, and, and that's why whenever I, I do get invited onto your podcast. I always get excited because I do miss um, not not speaking to you all and so on. And I, I like the fact that you know I get invited kind of like six or seven months apart, just just long enough for people to forget how terrible the last. <laughs> <day was. laughs> oh, this one's a new level of terrible. Yeah, oh, this this is shocking. <laughs> <laughs> this this is um, you know that. So while we're trying to do that, did I ever tell you the? Um, this, and I don't know if we've podcasted the story of how I met Ben. I don't. I don't think we have. We've, yeah, so, this is, so this is true uh-huh. because I would never. I would never lie. So, uh, IFP. I believe uh, Ben San Diego. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It would have been absolutely been San Diego. So, um, so Ben and I are both presenting in the same session in San Diego, and I've never. I had never met him before. We. I think we had known of each other because we were both working in universities and doing stuff. And anyway. I end up sitting next to Ben, and I think it was going to be your very first um, international presentation. It was certainly early in your career. You were um, oh, um, first, yeah, first, first guy IAP that yeah. I ever went to. Yep. So, um, and you you were not as accomplished as 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 you are now, or or as um, comfortable. So, and so I'm sitting next to this very nervous young man. Um, and we had to sit through, as you do when you're doing a presentation, you end up sitting through everybody's presentation and you're kind of stuck there, it seems like, for hours. Um, and anyway, and Ben was really nervous and there was someone presented on the on the slate. I'll not say who it was or where in the panel it was because I think the program's still available and um, I don't want to name names. But they were awful. Like, I mean, they stunk. It was atrocious. And I turned to Ben and said my sense of humor i said ben because he was telling me how nervous he was i said unless you actually die up there and your corpse starts rotting you can't stink any worse than this person <laughs> and and i remained alive i didn't and that, I, and that was it we just thought yeah we're friends for life because honestly they did it was like they had died and their corpse was months old um <laughs> they stunk so badly and i said so unless you actually die and your corpse starts rotting on that stage you can't stink as bad as that person um, and that that was the new threshold level. It wasn't to be like a great presenter. It was just not to die and and rot on the stage. So um, and as with that sense of humour and and our background, it, it obviously would come an interest in some research and stuff. So um, that was it. And then yeah, we became friends and and I got to visit to Guelph and do some work with the group there and stuff. So. And then Ben came to Ben came to Cardiff when I was at the university there. And actually, he stayed in Andrew's house, I believe, when you I were. Did. There. And so did. that's why yeah. it would be nice to be able to get Andrew on this call. I know. I'm, I, I appear to be calling him and I've sent him a link to join. Okay. Um, 
Have, have, do I still sound really robotic? You're you're okay. No. Okay. It, I I this the I think we can we can chalk this up to um, Skype is terrible, right? Did, have we have I missed that part? Um, oh what my I gosh, really, yes. Yeah. I think you've what done I, that. And I think that the salvage may well be if we can't um, the next time maybe you do um, you can get Andrew in on your Zoom Zoom live conversation. So maybe that might work um, work oh, more that's because a, um, that's a good idea. Yeah, because he has um, obviously he's coming from. Uh, and it's not for it's unfair for us to to introduce him. He's. <laughs> it's better that we we just. It's kind of like, um, the Jimmy <laughs> was it Jimmy Kimmel show where he, he would never get to Matt Damon. Like, <laughs> <laughs> this is he, Andrew. Andrew Andrew's is our the Matt, Matt Damon, Damon of our podcast. Yes, he, yeah. he is. It's like he's coming up if, if we can connect with him. Um, yeah. Yes. So so like like I mentioned, I I had to. I'm now on my my backup laptop. Well, my laptop. Uh, I don't, I, it's, this is, I, I heard myself talking like Darth Vader, which was awesome. Um, and I look forward to editing this episode cause I believe it's mine, right, Don? This will be, this will be some adventures in editing. Many times, uh, in the last hour and a half, I've said to myself, thank God, this is Ben's episode. <laughs> Oh, all right. Well, uh, I, I didn't even realize you had edited. I thought it was. I thought it was oh well, you know, there's, sometimes there's a little more editing than others. Uh, I thought it was warps and all. So, what else do we want? To, well, we're trying to connect right. with them. Um, well, yeah. So, t- so I, I, I enjoy. I, I really like the story you're talking about um, auditing and and uh, sort of the shortcomings of of some of the virtual stuff. But what is it like right now for Trophy? In, in the time of COVID-19, I mean, we're so one of the things that Don and I have been spending a lot of time with is um, dealing with uh, answering questions um, on behalf of the industry with journalists about food and food safety and, and SARS-CoV-2. Um, but but you're you're on the front on the front lines. And especially as we see um, lots of. Uh, issues around social and physical distancing in in food manufacturing, specifically in meat plants. And so I, I really wanted to, you know, just hear from someone who's who's living this and and working through this uh, every day. What, sure. h- how have things changed? A, a lot. Uh, so I think that um, so we obviously saw this happening, and you know, it, it, all of a sudden. Um, you've got it's on top of you. So on the March the 13th, I think it was, um, we had a leadership team meeting, and we we made some very quick decisions. So all the senior leadership, vice presidents, and the president, uh, we made a very quick decision to say, first of all, everybody in our business who could potentially work from home with immediate effect, work from home. So that was the first thing we got as many people out of the building as possible. Um, because then you're you do two things you're dealing with a smaller number and you have a bigger space to to deal with that people that that number of people in so that was the the first thing we did okay then we just started looking at um first of all behavior so primarily social distancing uh, so uh, we immediately we have an operations vice president and, and good plant management. And we have a couple of sites, so it, it spreads across both sites. Um, and then good leadership support that basically said, we need to stagger the people in and out of the building. So what we're trying to do is we're trying to um, contain um, things as best we can. So if we have a shift 
or a group of people, then let's deal with them as a group of people. So we got them into the building and then we work and then we get them out of the building and we don't let the next shift come in. So we, we've probably lost as a company a significant amount of our manufacturing capability. I might say we've, pro we've given up about 12% of our capability at least. Yeah. So, you know, when you hear these sites saying, oh, well, we need to run the line at a certain speed and blah, blah, you don't. There are just times where you need to recognize that efficiency is not um, it's not going to be your friend and you just need to accept it. So um, so we recognize we would we would be um, inefficient, but for the right reason. So we accepted that there was no cutting of corners there was no um way of trying to say well how do we do this but we still need to make this amount of profit or that amount of stuff so um so we had great leadership and great support everyone was on board so we have shift segregation now so one shift finishes and we are a three-shift company uh, one shift finishes we have a sanitation crew that then and they're here all the time, but at that point they spring into action and they give, they clean down the, the common areas, the washrooms, the locker rooms and the break rooms. So the areas where we have um, a lot of uh, common uh, work between shifts. So they give them a clean down. We identified um, some virusides and disinfectants that we knew would be fairly effective with short contact time and so on. So we now do that. So once shift finishes, we clean all of the, the main areas um, before the next group of people come in. And then we bring them in one at a time. Uh, we issue them a new mask and so on. We no longer have people... Um, checking in we had this touch system where you use a fingerprint that tells you you're in the building we stopped all of that we will just the supervisors will just check who's on shift at, during the shift so are you we, are you guys doing temperature evaluations so well? that's so that's actually something we our um, thermometers arrive tomorrow Oh wow! Okay, okay. and are these the so tell us about this because we Don and I have been um, I think really interested in 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 this aspect of things. Are these like body scanners or are no? These they're they're the basically the, the, the handheld yeah. forehead thermometer. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, and 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 it's uh, an additional. So if I sorry, I can talk you through. So we looked at um, so we started with that. We also then uh, employed um, several more people in sanitation. So we now have um, a couple of individuals um, whose only job is to continually go around our building and clean down common touched areas. Microwave, fridge handles, door handles in break rooms, washrooms, office doors, like where people there's common touch, they are perpetually going around um, with um, a, a, a sanitizer and trying to keep this um, this as clean as possible, trying to make sure that there's nothing, no virus, um, where you might get cross contact. So that's uh, important. Um, at this point, when we started, we weren't wearing masks. Uh, so this was really social distancing and so on. Um, we also, I told you before, we've got some amazing people in our business, um, top to bottom. Uh, I, I feel very privileged to, to work with some of the people I work with. And each um, line, the line operators were given... So the lines get cleaned properly um, on a regular frequency, you know, detergent, sanitizer, all the usual food industry cleaning. 
um, and that includes all the food contact surfaces, of course. So that's normal. That normally happens, and we're fine with that. Um, we identified on each line all of the buttons and switches and door handles and stuff that were commonly touched throughout the manufacturing line, and each line. Um, was asked to produce a, their list of everything they commonly touch. Uh, we verified it and we watched and we were sure it was correct. And then each team on the line, they will clean those areas before they start. Okay, so the first thing they do is they will clean and sanitize all the common touch surfaces on their line. And then they repeat that process when they come back from a break because they own their own um, safety and they own the safety of the people they work with and they were very happy to do this so they know so when we say to people well do you feel comfortable working in this area and if you don't what is it that we can do to make this better um, we've got ownership that our staff have said no we know because I know I cleaned that so I'm happy and then when that shift goes the next group come in the first thing they do they spray and clean everything down and they get it ready for their shift. So we did this. Um, that was new. So we have, if you think of any of the common touch surfaces um, on a manufacturing line, those are being, as well as the normal cleaning, I'll use normal, um, the typical cleaning we get, um, they get sanitized um, at least an additional six times a day. Okay, by the people who are doing the job and they're looking after themselves and looking after each other. So that started. And then we went on to masks. Masks were becoming a thing. Um, so we started um, wearing masks and we everybody has the, the, the blue type surgical ones, not the, the N95s. But again, um, and actually, surprisingly, how quickly you get used to wearing a mask. Um, I was the first kind of day I tried them um, and I had them. They were a bit weird. Um, they were a bit weird to do. Um, but now I, I have them in the car. I arrive in our car park. I put it on. Um, I'm sitting in my office now and, and, and obviously I don't need it on. But when I walk into the factory, it's fine. So the thermometers, um, we know scientifically um, there is very little chance that a thermometer may actually identify um, someone who is potentially either asymptomatic or so on. But there's still a chance. And it's not a difficult thing to do. And right. therefore, we did the cost benefit. The cost of these things, we probably spent $1,000 on them. Um, and because we are bringing people into the building one at a time, giving them a mask, we felt this was something that we could do anyway. And it gives another small additional control. You might find that one or person or two people. Um, and if you do and you eliminate it, uh, you, you minimize that coming to your building. And so far, um, we've had none. We've had no COVID-19 in either of our sites. So oh, that's... that's and, and that, yeah, that's that's fan, that's fantastic. What um, what, so, what do you, have you have you guys received any questions from your from your buyers? Uh, and this is something that I, you know I think Don and I have we we fielded a lot of questions on this, but I don't think I've, I haven't talked to anybody in in the industry who is um, 
who who is kind of dealing with it, but are, have you have you received anything from your buyers? Have you have you had any questions from customers about the you know the safety of uh, of your products? And and obviously, knowing you know we we've talked over the last eight weeks or you know six or seven podcasts that we've done about um, you know no no examples of of illness and no evidence or data to show that that food's an issue. But but are you getting are you getting questions about it? Actually, no. I have to say we're very lucky, primarily because um, about 95% of the products we manufacture are private label. So they obviously belong to the large retail chains. And then thankfully, and unfortunately, he's not getting on this call today, you have people like uh, Andrew Clark, who is at one of our biggest supermarkets. And we have some good people in the industry um, here. So they're, they're very much aware that there are no real food safety um, risks around COVID. So the people that we tend to deal with, uh, but we have um, been keeping our customers in the loop in terms of supply. So we will tell them if there's going to be challenges with supply. Uh, we will tell them about our obviously reduced manufacturing capability. So we they are aware that there may be a delay in getting product to them. Uh, so we've been keeping our supply chain uh, customers, their supply chain, we've been keeping them involved in some of the challenges that we're having to try and make sure that we are um, able to fulfill their order. And again, I'm just going to make up some numbers now. Let's say we would typically have a customer fill rate. We would probably fulfill about 98% of orders on time. At the moment, we're doing pretty good. We're probably down around 94 now. We, were, we had dropped a little bit before then, but we're probably about the 94% of managing to achieve customer fill rate because we've asked for longer lead times um, and so on. So we've we've got good relationships. Our our sales group, our VP of sales, and and that group have been working really closely with our customers, letting them know what we do have, letting them know if there's any challenges with raw materials and so on. Um, so I think that. As I said earlier on, I, I feel very lucky to work with the people I work with. That we have put, um, we have put safety first. We've put our people safety first. We have shortened our supply chain. We have taken time out of our manufacturing capability. Everything we can do to keep our people safe. Um, and I think that we're getting the benefit of that because we have fairly good attendance. We have most of the people are coming to work. Um, most of the people are behaving well all the time, so we're doing really well. I think that I think you reap what you sow, so we've been very lucky with that. And then, uh, and, and we're recognising the good people all the time. So um, you're challenged because it's an ongoing thing and and it's uh, it's never ending. My bigger concern, to be honest, now isn't my own people and, and our own people here. It's as um, country starts opening up as um, other businesses open up there will be more people out and about there will be more people uh, in public transports and in common areas and I don't know that they're used to behaving the way that some of my people have been used to behaving because they've basically been living this um, from from March 13th so I, I think that that was our message this week that this is um, this behaviour is a 24-7 behaviour uh, it's not just when you're here but yeah. so far so and I'm touching wood. So far, so good. So a couple. So thank you. So I was going to ask you about cases, but you answered that question. I've got a couple of other follow-up technical questions. So how how often are people uh, changing their masks in in your operation? So once the mask is on, it's on all day. So similar, we we use the same policy with hair nets. 
Um, so if it, once it's on, it's on. So you will take off your coat and stuff. But once the mask is on, and then what we do is if you're eating and drinking, you just drop, you keep the mask around yours, but you drop it below, below your neck. Mm -hmm. um, so you, do, you handle it as few times as possible. Um, everybody gets a new mask every day. Um, and if they rip or damage, they will get any, one any time they want. Okay. And, so, then, and then another related question. You talked about cleaning uh, uh, high touch points. Um, and you mentioned cleaning, right, which is different than disinfecting, which is different than sanitizing. And so can you talk a little bit about, uh, like at least in the United States, uh, disinfection is what we're doing to, quote, unquote, eliminate the virus, whereas sanitation is something that a food plant does to sort of keep the contamination levels down. Um, and both of those things obviously should only be done to a clean surface, the one that's what, that's had the, the, the dirt and the debris removed by, by soap. So can you talk a little bit about how those you parse those three things in terms of what's going on in your plant? So, so we do, and we use the same, primarily the same definitions. Cleaning would be to remove soil and grease and so on. Um, so we have some detergent sanitizers that we would use for that anyway. And then we have a virucidal spray that we will spray and leave to dry. So we found that that, because we couldn't guarantee um, contact time. Um, so basically that we just, we have one that we spray and we just leave it to evaporate. Um, and, and if people want, it's, it's recognized by Health Canada and it's on the FDA list, I'm sure, um, of a, an effective um, virus side. So that's, so, that, we, so that's the disinfectant step, right? Yeah, and that and, and that's on and that's on high touch point surfaces, but but in terms Absolutely. of processing, it's just normal cleaning and sanitizing that any. In terms of processing, do, it's right? normal cleaning and sanitizing. We we will clean between certain commodities, um, we will clean between certain allergens uh, and so on, and we still have our normal cleaning and sanitizing. If we go from um, allergen A to allergen B, yep. um, we will clean and we will verify um, effectiveness of cleaning as we have been doing normally. So we haven't done anything different. Um, because we have a well-established program for um, food contact sanitation. Right. Uh, right. This is where we really beefed all this up was around hand contact, just minimizing cross-contact from person to person. Yep, yep. Makes sense. And it's working, again, touch wood, it's working, but it's all the time. Um, and again, just making sure everybody is behaving well all the time. And, um, is the challenge. And do you do you know what the rates are in the communities that you draw your employees from? Because I think that's been, you know, that that's a question that I have is like it's pretty easy to keep things under control if there's not a lot of community cases, but if there if there are community cases, it makes it more likely that it'll get into the into the plants and then spread among the plant employees. Perfect. So so let me please and I'm saying this I'm I'm um, I don't want to tempt fate, although as, as we've talked before, I also don't believe in faith-based food safety either. So we have, to think, we have to think. We have to think what we're doing is right. So, yes. um, as you know, the worst, probably the worst outbreaks um, currently in Canada are in Calgary. Yep. Uh, we have a manufacturing plant in yep. Calgary. Yep. So far zero. Okay. Excellent. Okay. Um, so, oh, unbelievable! Our people are doing an amazing, amazing job. I can't begin to tell you how proud I am of everyone, top to bottom. Um, you know, as I say, I get goosebumps thinking about just how well everyone is working. And then Brampton, the nearest big city to where um, our plant is that I work out of, Brampton, I think, is about the fifth largest city in Canada. And there has been a, quite a high number. Um, again, you may have seen there's been some issues um, with a company called Maple Lodge Farms. Mm -hmm. 
in Canada. Um, they've had some issues and so on, and they're very close to us. So we know Brampton has has actually had quite a high incident as well. So it's it's not right. You're right. It's not that we're living in some tiny little village with three people and we all know each other yep. and we're all working. Yep. So yep. our people are doing an amazing job, but it's just about all the time um, and yep. and 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 really um, getting them comfortable with it. So no, I'm I'm. I'm hugely proud, and that's not to say things should change, uh, you know, in an instant. And um, you know, there's nothing you can do. And, and I had to say a few moments ago, my bigger worry is as the country starts opening up, and as there are more people coming into contact with more people, that clearly just increases the likelihood of, of a contact. Um, and and it's how other people are behaving is more my worry. Um, so, and that's that's been the messaging for the past week. Us getting ready, telling, reminding our staff that. As other people become come into play, um, you know we need to be vigilant with them. And, and we've had this before. We, we work on the philosophy. I, I've told you this before. We look out for ourselves. We look out for each other. Um, our food safety programs is based around we are everybody's mum and dad. What we make feeds everybody's children. Um, so we, you know, it's not just me looking after me. It's me looking after you and your kids. Um, and, and we've always had. Um, quite a good philosophy around that are people top to bottom. I mean, from the president all the way down, everybody is trying to do the right thing because it's the right thing. Um, and as I say, that's one of the reasons I'm very proud to be to be here at Trophy is that we, we do try our best and we obviously have to make money like every other business, but we've never once, never once ever put profit before people, never. And, 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 and I, I'm not sure everybody can say that. Um, and, and it has cost us. We've spent a lot of money on this. And we've had this discussion before when mm. people say, food safety is not a competitive issue. Of course it's competitive. <laughs> Thank you for it's, saying that. It's all that. competitive. Yes. Of course it's competitive. Because the fact is, people like my boss, like, and we're privately owned, so like our owner is allowing us to invest money in training and equipment and so on. And we invest in food safety and, and in health and safety. And we probably proportionally invest more money than some of our competitors. But then hopefully we now at this point, maybe we're seeing the benefit of this. We have that good relationship with our customers. Um, I had a phone call. I don't even know how the lady got my cell phone number on Friday. Um, a consumer called me on my cell phone. <laughs> Um, at this time, with everything going on, just to tell me how great the Fruit Nut Trail Mix company on sale in Costco in Western Canada is, and where can she get more? <laughs> everything going on, that's what's getting to your VP of food safety. How fantastic is that? How well does that reflect on everybody in our business, that that's what's getting to me? Um, so, I, you know, and, and of course we're not complacent. Every day we think about it. Um, and I know... We have people, my boss, um, I, I know he's a worrier um, and stuff, and, and he'll be sending emails early in the morning, late at night. Um, but he's on top of it. We have a great team. Um, I'm very proud of all my uh, all my senior leadership colleagues. I'm very proud of all my own team. Um, and then I'm very proud of the, the people who work hands-on in our plant. I just I just couldn't be happier. And, and, and if there is any... If there is any justice, um, you know, we will continue to try and, and have this level of, of, of control um, because people deserve it. They're working ever so hard. But, yeah, so the temperature probes, we know it's not going to be a brilliant thing, but it was relatively easy to do. It's relatively cheap to do. And 
you might find that one or those two people and it might just minimise that risk for. So when you look at cost-benefit analysis, um, it's, it's an easy spend. So cool. that's, that's, that's where we are with that. Okay. But you wanted to know about M&M and MC. Well, in the in the two minutes we have remaining, sure. Perfect. So, yes. So, crisis management. I've been pissed. I think I don't know if any of you follow me on LinkedIn, um, and you should. Um, we we will link much. to your profile. We I'm sure. uh, yes. link to my profile because I because I need more important people. Okay? <laughs> I, need, I need more award winners and Einstein visa holders. Because um, Doctor Chapman, you have an Einstein visa, don't you? Uh, sort of. Yes, you do. I, I I know you do because I wrote one of your letters of support. It's true. But I don't I don't actually think it's referred to that anymore. I don't want to be on any sort of list. <laughs> <laughs> any kind of hit list for yeah. wondering how wondering how you manage to get an insane visa. Yeah, that question has hasn't been asked anywhere. I, in I have the a US. green card now. I'm a, I'm yes, good. So you're, you're practic- anyway. Yeah. So um, anyway, so my link I, I like LinkedIn to to different. I have quite an interesting network on LinkedIn. But I was commenting lots of stuff around at the moment on people selling COVID-19 services and you should have this inspection and you should be doing this and blah, 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 blah. And and it frustrates the the, the hell out of me because really you should have been prepared for an emergency. Maybe not this emergency, but you should have been prepared. We, We saw this type of thing happen before. We've had SARS. We've had mares. In the UK, they've had swine fever, foot and mouth. It's not that these things have never happened. So um, I see all these people trying to, and I'm going to say this, I think they're taking advantage of people's vulnerability and insecurity. And so um, if you are working in manufacturing, um, the two people that you need to be thinking about, M&M, on MC. So, of course, M&M, and I was thinking, how do you do this? And it was only like today, or past couple of days, I realized that M&M stood for Marshall Mather, whatever the yes, guy's name. Yeah, Marshall Mathers, yep. Yeah. I, I, like, I've never given any thought. So when people say, <laughs> how old were you when you knew that's what it meant? Today. I was, today. <laughs> today. Uh, today I learned. <laughs> today. today. Anyway. And then MC, I sent you the picture of Joe Gray, although my favorite MC in Cabaret is Alan Cummings, if you've ever seen him. Oh, yes. Well, they're, they're so, both brilliant. So, yeah. Brilliant, brilliant. Anyway, so you need M&M. There's four things that you need to really care about in your crisis management. Materials. Okay. Do you have materials? Are you comfortable in the materials? Uh, are you vulnerable to fraud from substitution and so on? Okay. Man, uh, manpower. Do you have the right people? Do you have the trained people? Are you are you are you allowing those people to do the job properly? And that's M and M. And then MC is manufacturing capability. Do you have the right equipment and the right line? And that's all you need to focus on at the moment. Everything else should be taken care of itself. So if you feel vulnerable, you're going to be vulnerable in one of those places. You're either going to have fraud issues. So as a food manufacturer, make sure your materials are the right materials. Two, make sure you have the right people in the right place, trained with the right protective clothing. And then three, make sure that you have the right equipment running as efficiently as possible. And that will get you through a crisis. You don't need anything more than that. You should be ready for this. And then the last one, the other M, is just for messaging. Make sure you're continuing letting people know what's going on. So crisis management is very, it's not easy, 
but it's easy to, to, to identify where you need to focus on. And you don't need to be paying people to come and do audits or to send you questionnaires or to give you a certificate or, or, or all this other BS that I see go around. So um, if I knew how to do a YouTube channel or a or, or something as, as technical as, as you gents do, I would put a simple presentation up on, on the web for people to use for free. I hate to seeing people taking advantage. So, um, And I just thought, how cool is it that you can have a presentation that features pictures of Eminem and MC? Um, so so that, that's where it is. So my, my new food safety control thing is called Eminem and MC. So, so if you Google MMMC, um, it also includes results for MMCC, which stands for the Maryland Medical Cannabis Commission. So there you go. So please don't link me to them. <laughs> no, but we will link to them in the show notes because it came up. I, it's the first Google what will hit. Happen is when I, whenever I try and get across the border. <laughs> You'll um, never get it. <laughs> into the US, they'll never let me in. I'm, I'm lucky I get through at the best of times. So anyway, but those are the things you want to worry about. Material, manpower, manufacturing capability. If food manufacturers are doing that and trying to control that, everything else will will be able to be managed um, on top of that. That's, that's your focus, because that's where you're vulnerable at the moment. You're vulnerable to fraudulent material, you're vulnerable to poorly trained staff, and your obviously your your manufacturing capability is is what limits you. So get on top of that. You will be okay. Don't pay people for audits and certificates and stupid things um, that are taking advantage of you. And my last post on Eminem actually Eminem. My apologies. My last post on LinkedIn said um, I, I ranted a little bit about this, and I said I, I'm sad that I know some of these people. Um, and their greed will be remembered. It's it's shameful how people are behaving at this time. Um, it's like ambulance chasers. So, so I'd like you gents to to keep pushing that message. That's your that's what you need to manage at the moment. Um, if you can keep that in control, we're, we'll be in a nice place. All right. I, I think that's a really nice place to leave it. Perfect. So. so we didn't get Mr. Andrew Clark, Harold Barnum Award winner. Um, because and, Andrew, I, Andrew's our Matt Damon, as we said before. It's fine. Yeah. He is. And actually, and I can say, obviously I see him, um, infinitely better looking, if I might add. Than Matt Damon <laughs> or than you? Well, both. Both. <laughs> <laughs> both. Yeah. And, and to be fair, Matt Damon is, is no, you know, he's no um, slouch. In, in that. But no, I think that we do well. To, so he's our Matt Damon. Um, and then the, we were laughing he, and very quick. I know a short time um, because I, I would like the question. I don't know any two people who have ever any couple who have ever won the same um, award. No, I think you guys are unique in that. Yeah, so we're like a power couple. You are the, like the, the safety power couple. We are the, the posh and becks for safety. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. One of us can play sport, and the other one can't sing a note. Um, <laughs> so anyway, so but anyway, get he Andrew Clark is incredibly. Um, talented as a food safety professional and 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 you will have fun with him on your show because because he can tell you all the stuff the good retailers are doing as well and and all the nonsense that they see you you would get some good good mileage out of him so um get him on your next one and i will uh, I'll, I'll be an avid fan and listen so um, as always gents it's Th- thank you gordon thank fantastic you gordon. chatting with you um and make sure if you're doing a Zoom cast again that you do answer my question. Don't you say we've had a question from Gordon, but we're ignoring him. <laughs> well, we, I think we eventually answered it. Uh, well, yeah, but probably when there was no one listening. <laughs> so, 
Anyway, but you look after yourself. Love to all your lovely families. Yes, and so on. Same. Please stay safe and well, and we'll, um, we'll hopefully we'll catch up soon. Thanks, Great. Gordon. Thanks, Gordon. Thank you. Bye-bye. 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 So, uh, so throw all of the audio recordings into Dropbox, and I'll stitch them together yep. somehow. Yeah, I'll, yeah, I'll put uh, all of mine in, and yeah, cool. And you got to go. We can just schedule over text. Oh no, that's fine. I, I'm already late for my meeting, so it's fine. Let's go ahead. Let's go ahead and do it. Okay. Um. Oh, I was supposed to do a trainer instruction uh, May 26th. I don't think that's happening. Probably not. So, so the, May 26th is good. All right. You want to do the morning again? Yeah. Yeah, nine. Nine's good. Nine. Doesn't interfere with your uh, getting no, your kids seems, to school. Seems like everybody got to school. There was no meltdown that I had to deal with today, so that was good. Uh, cool. Cool. Good. 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 Take All right. So I, I grabbed a bunch of titles and I got some show notes here. Throw, yep. Throw them in. So, I'll mess around yep. with it this afternoon. Sounds good. All right. Bye-bye. Bye.